Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. I'm Patricia Raskin. And we have a great guest. We're talking about something that I think all of us go through at one time in our life or others, sometimes many times, and that's panic. You know, what do we do when we panic? My guest is Tom Bunn, and he is the author of Panic Free, the 10-day program to end panic. Tom Bunn is an MSW, LCSW. He's a leading authority on panic disorder, and he's the founder of SOAR, S-O-A-R, Inc., which provides treatment for in-flight panic sufferers and the author of SOAR, The Breakthrough Treatment for the Fear of Flying. And you can find him at panicfree.net. And he's talking about the many years that he's worked with panic and, and particularly flight panic, but other panic as well. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah. How did you focus in on flight? How did that come about for you? Well, I was a pilot at Pan Am. Uh, oh. A non-existent airline now. And uh, one of our pilots there started a fear of flying course. He asked me to volunteer to help uh, on some of the uh, what we call graduation flights at the end of the course. And um, I was surprised to find that people who were doing these breathing exercises and relaxation exercises could sit there and do these exercises and have a full-blown state of panic. Uh, so... What he had suggested <laughs> that breathing would would do the job, it just didn't do it. Nor did being familiar with the plane. You know, we're familiar with elevators, and yet we don't like being in there where we can't escape. And the plane right. is even worse because you can't escape, and it's thirty thousand feet up. So, um, I suggested that we add cognitive behavioral therapy to what we were doing there at Pan Am. Uh, never happened. So I set up. Uh, my own program uh, a couple of years later and added cognitive to it, thinking it was going to take care of it. And uh, it helped a few people, but most people end up, when they have panic, they escalate into panic so rapidly that they max out, they get overwhelmed, even sometimes like a deer in the headlight, and they really can't function. So they have no cognitive ability available because they're so overwhelmed to use cognitive tools. So it became clear we were going to have to find something that would work automatically and unconsciously, perhaps, to to solve this. But what was that going to be? Because the unconscious mind is not visible to us. So it really came down to just stumbling on something that worked. And then when it was clear that this thing was working, we didn't know why. Then Then the question became, well, why is it working and what can we do to make it work better? And why do you think it was working? What's your, what's your analysis on that? Well, what happened was I wasn't the only person working on trying to find an automatic solution. Uh, there was a therapist, uh, Jerry Lynn Ross, who was really well known that she was president of the Phobia Society of America. She was working on it, and she came up with something that you might be familiar with called thought-stopping. The idea is yes. wear a rubber band on your wrist if you have a... Yes, I know, I know people thought, who do that. Snap it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I thought, well, yeah, I, 
I understand the idea, but I just don't like the idea of the self-inflicted pain. So I thought, yeah. what about something a little bit more sophisticated? And I was thinking of it as thought redirection. That is, when you think an anxiety-producing thought, habitually train yourself to immediately shift to a certain positive thought. Uh, for an example, I had a client who was a marathon runner, and I said, okay, I want you to stand there. When I give you this hand signal, I want you to go step, step, step. Take, your back, take yourself back as vividly as you can into the, running the marathon. And so I would say, okay, plane's taking off. and <laughs> Give her the hand signal. She'd go back to the marathon. Oh, you're in turbulence now, and give her the hand signal. So it actually worked with her. But mm-hmm. something happened that, that, well, first of all, that that idea worked with some people and didn't work with others. But mm-hmm. what happened was a, a client told me she was going to link, that is to redirect her anxiety-producing thoughts to something that she found really calming, and that was nursing her child. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, this is crazy. You're going to get on the plane and think you're never going to see the child again. She called back a few days later, said she took her flight, was absolutely perfect. Yeah. And I was see, surprised. But- here, here's my question to you. Yeah. Let's and, and let's take a situation that is is one that you could be facing that you're really afraid of. Okay, yeah. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you three. One would yeah. be let's do the financial one first. All right. Let's uh-huh. say you're really in a tough place and you might have to file bankruptcy and you're really really scared and you think about it, you panic, you're doing everything you can, but it's it could be a reality. It could be. All right, that's one. Mm-hmm. Another one mm-hmm. could be, you know, you have to have an operation and you're trying to put it off and you, you may have to do it, but you think about it and it's absolutely, because both of those things make you feel like you're, you know, you're going to lose everything. Yeah. And then the third yeah. one is the relationship that you don't want to lose and uh-huh. you keep hanging on, hanging on and you really know you could and you think about it and you're frightened. So those yeah. are things that, that you don't want to think about, but they could happen, Tom. So that's my question to you. That's my question. How do you deal with that? Okay, yeah. What happens when we think an anxiety-producing thought, whether it's a real situation or an imaginary one? Nevertheless, either one. The amygdala, part of the brain that we spent a couple of hundred million years old, they say, it reacts to change. It reacts to uh, thoughts that have danger in them reacts to S-shaped things on the ground, reacts to falling. Anyway, what does it do? It produces stress hormones. Right. So what, it what it's trying to do is to get our attention because if we're focused on something and a threat should arise, we might not notice it if it weren't for the amygdala zapping us with stress hormones. Now, it gives us a feeling of alarm. And what I've found with the fearful flyers I work with versus people who are not bothered by flying, People who are not bothered by flying get a moment of alarm and immediately downregulate to a level of curiosity. They first feel alarmed and they say, oh, I wonder what that's all about. And they look around. Whereas a person who has trouble with flying and panic, when they get alarmed, they don't downregulate. They stay alarmed and they stay alarmed until the stress hormones burn off, which might take a couple of minutes. And all that time when they're at that level of, of alarm, they can't really think clearly. Mm-hmm, and right. then things that, that are right. 
imaginary threats can loom just as dangerous as a real threat. So that's the, in fact, that's one of the main problems. When you're really, really revved up, you can't tell the difference between a real threat and an imaginary threat. You see, for example, a person could have pounding heart and think, uh, well, it could be a heart attack, but it's probably not. They might first get alarmed that they're feeling pounding heart, then they get curious. Well, I wonder if it is. Well, I guess I get get it checked out. On the other hand, a person could have the pounding heart and say, oh, my God, I'm having a heart attack. Oh, I'm going to die and Mm -hmm. and go into panic because it's a life-threatening situation. At least you think Mm -hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And you believe it is because the feelings of alarm that you continue to have right. make you believe that you're in trouble and you can't escape it because your heart's in your body. You can't run away from it. So that's the two main things about panic, life threat that you can't escape. Or the so other the one is what I was giving you is a situation that could be coming up and, and is a real threat to you or you feel it is to your well-being, right, and your safety and security. But it, it's not there, so it's looming. Everything's looming. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but the, what, but what, I'm, what I didn't I tr- want to see if I can find a way to make clear is that when you have a threat that's real, yep. that's going to release stress hormones. Now, as soon as you get the stress hormone release, do you then calm down enough to be cool, calm, and collected enough to really do something useful? Or do you stay revved up to the point that you just can't really do anything? Right. So what you're talking about is it's a way for you to find a way to calm your mind so that you can do something productive, move toward it in a productive way yeah. and yeah. reduce the panic. Right. Yeah, so, for example, yeah. in the case with mm-hmm. sickness, you might talk to somebody who's already had that surgery and would reassure you. Right. Or in the case of the finances, talk with somebody who's been through this and gives you the other side. Would, would that, does that, does that yeah, work? Yeah, because, because a person who stays in that alarm uh, level that you initially go into when the stress hormones are released, if you stay there and don't downregulate, you're going to overreact. And you can't separate what's a reasonable threat from an unreasonable mm-hmm. threat. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you talk to your friend and they say, no, it's, there's a lot of other possibilities it could be other than uh, a terminal illness. Uh, then uh, you don't have to automatically believe that the thing right. you have is a terminal illness. Right. Now, if it is, right. then one of the things that's kind of interesting is when you have people who really come to grips with the, this end of their lives, yep. when, they, when they calm down about it, they have a period of time which can be a very rewarding part of their life. I know a person who worked in hospice, and she said it was so great to be with people mm-hmm. who are facing it in a, in a real way. And, so what, and she about was able to shed, but, well, what about medication? What about medication? Does that help? Yeah. Well, it helps some people. The, the research on it shows that if you CBT is alone, uh, 17% of people who are treated with CBT become panic-free, which isn't a great number. And then if you add meds to it, it gets up to about 30. But even so, that's problematic because to get to that 30% panic-free level with CBT and meds, you have to have a pretty large amount of meds. And it's, so CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. That's right. The therapy. And the meds are pretty controversial uh, because they're addictive and it's hard to get off them. And then 
you might find that after a while the, the effect of them wears off and you need more and then there's, there's a limit to what you can legitimately take. All right. What I want to do is take a break and when we come back, I want to talk more about the method in your book how effective mm-hmm. it is, and maybe even take us through an exercise, you know, okay, so that sure. we can see what you would do if you start to panic and what might be something as an alternative, as you said, to taking the elastic band <laughs> right, and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, snapping your wrist. So, yeah, good, good. so that, that should be an alternative. All right, my guest is Tom Bunn. His book is Panic Free, the 10-day program to end panic, anxiety, and claustrophobia. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back, and you are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. My guest is Tom Bunn, and he is the author of the book Soar, The Breakthrough Treatment for the Fear of Flying, and he's the author of this brand-new book called Panic Free, The 10-Day program to end panic, anxiety, and claustrophobia. Captain Tom Bunn, MSW, and LCSW is a leading authority on panic disorder. He's the founder of SOAR, Inc., which provides treatment for in-flight 
Panic Sufferers and the author of SOAR. And he, uh, you can find him on panicfree.net. And he's a former pilot. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Patricia. Okay. All right. So here's what I want to ask you. I'd like you to take us through an exercise where somebody starts to panic. And what is it that we can do, as you said, to release the positive chemicals in the brain? Yeah. Oxytocin is a hormone. Actually, technically, it's a peptide. It's a type of hormone. Shuts the fear system down. That's why when a mother nurses a child, it takes quite a while to keep her from getting anxious that she's got other things she should do and stop nursing. All the time she nurses, she produces oxytocin. It also is produced when you pick up a newborn child to make you feel protective of the child. It, uh, it's also involved in, in sexual chemistry and right. interacting with pets. So what right. we need to do is find a moment when you produce this hormone that shuts down your fear system, and then we simply link the challenging moment to a memory when you produce the oxytocin so that the challenging moment causes you to produce the hormone that shuts down the fear system. So that's one approach, and that is prevent the release of stress hormones. The other approach is to override the effect of the stress hormones. We have a system that we're born with which can do that. It's called the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. But we don't have any mental software to operate it as a child. So what happens is for months, a mother or other caregiver is going to present her face, her voice, and her touch to calm the child. Now, as adults, what we can do to take you through a a thing that we can do to deal with anxiety just in day-to-day living, for the next few days, well, first of all, let me ask you, your, your, your listeners to think of a person who, when they're with that person, they don't have to be mindful at all of saying the wrong thing. But they're with a person who doesn't judge them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, physically safe, but also fairly rare, psychologically safe. This person just doesn't judge you. Mm-hmm. With such a person, you sometimes feel your guard let down. That's when your parasympathetic nervous system is going full blast to calm you. So, Mm. for the next few days, as soon as you notice that you feel any surprise, alarm, alert, as soon as you feel a surge of of the stress hormones that just hit you, whether it's big or medium or small, pick it up as soon as you can, notice it, and imagine that that friend just walked into the room, says hello to you, and comes over and gives you a hug. So, what we're doing is... We're, as soon as we get revved up, we're following getting revved up with calming, with activation of the calming system. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do this a half a dozen times today and tomorrow and the next day, it'll become automatic. So that every time you start to get revved up, you get automatically calmed down. And that brings in the, that point that I've made right at the beginning of the show is that the difference between people who panic on the airplane when there's turbulence, for example, or, or just let it roll off their back like water on a duck's back, is when everybody feels alarm when the plane drops, everybody, but people who are not troubled by, uh, by it immediately downregulate from alarm to interest or curiosity. Mm-hmm. People who are, have trouble with it stay alarmed until the stress hormones build up. Build up. So now, in the next few days, if you bring in your friend's face and voice and touch each time you feel uh, alarmed, you can build in that mental software that people who are comfortable flyers, comfortable MRI takers, 
people who are comfortable on bridges, tunnels, and elevators have, which is this automatic down-regulation when stress hormones are released. So do you think, when you gave the example of the woman who thought of nursing her baby, do you th- would you say to listeners that they should think of an image or something that really brings them great common comfort and that when they panic, they should use that image? I actually think it's too late if you wait until you have panic because you're the problem with panic is that you're overloaded and can't do very much to help yourself. Okay. The, the, the notion is you need to practice this ahead of time. Okay. So that you, you take the, the, the things that happen in a challenging situation and link. It's a sequence of things that happen. For example, if you're going to take an MRI, you make an appointment, you go there, you put on a robe, you go to the place where the machine is, and then you go into the machine and so on. You take each of those steps and link them to the face of the baby that you're nursing, the newborn that you're holding, the lover that you're making love with, or the animal that you're interacting with to produce oxytocin. You also link it to your friend's face. I imagine they hold that picture of uh, the MRI machine by their face. Talk it over with them a little bit so that the quality of their voice gets linked to the MRI machine. And then last, they give you a hug as you're talking about it. So we have two things that we're building in ahead of time so that they'll work automatically for you in the situation. Mm. So there are positive things that happen when you're near it, when you're around it, right? when you're in that sort yeah. of, not there yet, but, but close to it. Yeah, sometimes it's said of people who do high-stress jobs like firemen, policemen, people who work in emergency rooms is that you don't rise to the occasion. What happens in, is when you get very stressed, you don't think as clearly. They say you don't rise to the occasion, you descend to the level of your training so what we want to do is to do the training ahead of time mm-hmm. so that when you start to panic, it just doesn't get any traction. Mm-hmm. One of the things in the book, for example, is it breaks down panic into five major things that you feel. Pounding heart, rapid breathing, sweatiness, tension of the body, and some psychological changes. And we take each one of those as a separate item and we link it to oxytocin production. We also link it to the face, voice, and touch of a friend. So that if you start your panic attack with a pounding heart, it stops right there. doesn't lead anywhere else. We link also the rapid breathing. So if you start your panic attack with that one, it stops right there and doesn't lead anywhere further. So Right. But, but again, you also need to take action, too, because if there's something you really are afraid of, then it, it's one thing to um, not panic, but it's another thing you don't want to override it so you're not dealing with it. Correct. No, we, we're overriding the excessive feelings so that you can deal with it in a productive way. Got it. Way. Yeah, in a more, right. Yeah, very, very positive. So what is the message of the book? What do you want our listeners to take away? Well, the, first, you know, I think so many people I work with in fear of flying and in panic as well have tried everything and nothing works. And they think there's something wrong with them that's particularly impossible, makes it impossible for them to get any results. But the fact is that the methods we have been giving people are just not very effective. Mm. And this one, provided you do the practice and install it ahead of time so it will kick in when you need it, 
does a beautiful job of taking care of you. So, Tom, I want to look at the other side of this. If you don't mm-hmm. do this and you get into the panic, what are the repercussions of the panic? Well, it'll go away. And, and that's one of the things that cognitive therapy tries to say. Hey, you shouldn't really fear it because it's not, a, it's not life-threatening and it'll go away. Get used to it. Okay, that's nice, but it's such an awful experience that not everybody can get relaxed about having a panic attack. But it also takes its toll on you, though, don't you think? Well, I mean, it does, because you you then begin thinking that you need to avoid any situation where you mm, don't have control, right. any situation where you don't have escape. Right. Um, and, of course, it you makes relationships of- difficult when you are limited what what you can do. You may not even be able to go to a movie theater unless you can sit at an end seat. Hmm. Mm. So in the book, are there, are there some practices and exercises for people to do as well? Yeah, there's a 10-day set of exercises to cover producing oxytocin in the situations that you're dealing with. And it actually gives you step-by-step for the particular challenges you have. And also about how to activate the calming system in those situations. And then because not every situation can be prepared ahead of time, to use that exercise that we just talked about five minutes ago. Every time you begin to get revved up for the next few days, bring in that person who's calming to you. Bring in their face. Imagine you hear their voice saying hello to you and come over and give you a hug. Mm. So or say it's going to be all right. That. Don't worry. That's another, right? Well, I, I don't know that you even have to assure someone that everything is going to be okay. What you're doing is activating the calming system. So that you can then determine whether it's going to be okay or whether it's not. But you're not going to be overreacting to it. So what this does is it helps you, uh, reduces the stress, and helps you to eventually deal with it without overtaxing your system, if you will. Right away, yeah. Because, you see, if you don't have something to downregulate you until the stress hormones go away, if there was a real danger, you wouldn't be able to deal with it. You need to calm down enough to deal with uh, with the dangers. Uh, if there's a real danger, and if there's a if it's a false alarm, you need to be able to let go of it. How can people find your book? Well, it's on Amazon, Panic Free, um, or take a look at the website, PanicFree.net. And if they want to contact you, they can do that through the website. Yeah, through the website, and also, you know, we have the Fear of Flying. Um, website fearflying.com and for people who want some free help with this every Wednesday night we have a one hour group phone session between 10 and 11 eastern time and you can find information about it on the website under talk and read under the chat and this Uh, is for people who have a fear of flying it's for people who have fear of flying or trouble with panic because fear of flying really is mostly about panic people don't want to panic on the airplane so they're afraid to get on it it's more about that than fear of crashing. Interesting. All right, so they can go on your website and learn about, and that's a free class every week? Yeah, every week we have an hour of free counseling. It's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the program. Again, Tom Bunn, the book is Panic Free, the 10-day program to end panic, anxiety, and claustrophobia. And the website, again, is panicfree.net. Tom, thanks so much for being on the program. Thank you, Patricia. 
Yeah, stay on the line for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this first half hour. Stay tuned. We have a whole other half hour for you, a new program, new guest right after the break. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.